Some people try to be tall by cutting off the heads of others. Paramahanda Yogananda Hello! So, what are you thinking? You're listening to the Healthy Mind, Healthy Self Show. I'm your host, Martha Alvarez, psychotherapist and life coach. And this is a place for you to explore your thoughts, emotions, and behaviors so that you can make more mindful choices, achieve those things that you so desire. So tune in and enjoy. Hey there, welcome to episode 28 of the Healthy Mind, Healthy Self show. Today, I wanted to share a bit of insight on narcissism, some of the traits, how they show up on a spectrum, because that's how it is, and how to handle them. The term narcissist stems from a hunter in Greek mythology named Narcissus, who fell in love with his own reflection in a pool of water that he stumbled across, and he actually became entranced by it so much that he stared at it didn't do basically anything else. And um, he stared at it right there until he died, alone, by himself, looking at his reflection. So when we talk about narcissism, it's all about how much you're into yourself, basically. And I find that narcissism is one of those topics that isn't always fully understood. Most people associate narcissism with a sense of superiority and inflated ego, which definitely can be true. But I wanted to make a distinction between pathological narcissism, narcissistic personality disorders, what it's called, and narcissistic behavior, which are just traits of um, narcissism. Starting with the fact that most people will have some narcissistic traits, and that's typical, you want to call it normal, sure. And um, most people will not be identified or diagnosed as having pathological narcissisms. And there's some distinguishing factors in both of these. We're talking about behaviors, their frequency, the intensity, the duration, the attitude that these people have and their behaviors, and basically how it affects their world and the worlds of um, other people around them the pervasive pattern of them, uh, where they occur in the workforce, at home, at school. So not all people who have narcissistic attitudes and behaviors actually suffer from narcissistic personality disorder, but all the people that have narcissistic personality disorder are considered narcissistic, if that makes sense. So in order for it to be a diagnosis, it has to be causing distress and impairment in the person's life. And often that's not the case because these people will deny it. They will think it's not causing impairment. And, um, you know, just by default as a diagnosis, then that would not meet full criteria. So then it becomes someone who basically has narcissistic traits 
and is not really classified as someone having a personality disorder. And then they just become someone that's difficult to deal with, a jerk, and, um, you know, no fun to be around. Regardless, it's really difficult and often harmful to be around someone like this. And you may have someone like this in your family. Perhaps you have someone like this as your boss, as a friend. And often you can, you know, you may feel like you don't have much of a choice as to um, exit them out of your life. And you have to learn how to deal with them. So that's what this episode is about. Not really so much about the actual narcissist personality disorder, which is a, a psychological diagnosis, more of how to manage someone that has these patterns, these behaviors, these traits, okay? So let's talk about some of these attitudes and behaviors that someone with narcissism exhibits. The big one, the giant one out there is their lack of empathy. Like they really just don't care. At least they seem not to care. And, you know, this is the one that leads everything, okay? When someone doesn't care and they're in it for themselves and they don't care, you know, what happens to other people along the way, that in itself cannot be a good thing under any circumstance, right? But you have to remember that their lack of empathy for them, okay, is serving a protective, as a protective device. And so they may not recognize it. It might be conscious, might not, might very much be conscious, but it becomes about them. Another attitude uh, that they have is one of entitlement, like they deserve it, or grandiosity, or arrogance, like they're better than you. And um, they often seek validation. Perhaps this person is very superficial, and they could be very manipulative, dismissive, selfish. They tend to patronize. They can be explosive. They can take advantage of others, you know, again, to achieve their own means. They are very envious, even if it doesn't look like that. Deep down inside, they are. And they can blame and deny and sabotage and gaslight you and certainly try to abuse you verbally and emotionally and even become violent in a physical manner and often explode with anger and rage, okay? And again, all of these are on a continuum as how they are expressed because within this uh, narcissistic conversation, you'll see some people that show some of these qualities sometimes and specific to circumstances. And, you know, when you're dealing with someone that's on the higher end of the spectrum, as in those people that have an actual diagnosis, you're going to see all of this much more intensified, right? So on the receiving end, you know, there's still things you can do, even though it becomes much more difficult when you're dealing with someone that's actually at the higher end of the spectrum. But I'm going to guide you through that. I don't want you to feel powerless over this, even though I want you to know that there's always a choice. You always have a choice on um, who you allow into your life and how, how you are treated, because we teach people what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. 
and what we're going to tolerate and what we're not going to tolerate. So we're going to start the conversation with talking about boundaries. And when we talk about boundaries, it's almost like setting a line in the sand where you decide what's okay and what's not, what you're going to tolerate and what you won't. And, you know, part of having boundaries is getting clear on what you identify as right or wrong, acceptable, not acceptable, abusive. And we're talking about behaviors like lying and cheating and disrespect, name calling, emotional, verbal abuse, basically disowning, you know, your persona and allowing someone to come in and just do whatever they want with you. You got to figure out, is that happening? And if so, why am I allowing it? What do I want instead? And how can I stop it? Sometimes it's as simple as learning how to say no and sticking to it, which in essence, it is simple. I mean, you know, two letters and oh, no, but sometimes it's very hard to enforce when you're fearing the consequences associated with the no. And and talking about consequences, remember, most people, when you think about consequences, automatically, you may be thinking that the worst case scenario is going to happen. And usually that's not the case in life, right? So you got to really hone back into worst case thinking, how real is it? And if it does happen, what will that mean for me, my family, and you know who, who I become because of that, right? So getting clear boundaries on what you're going to tolerate is always the first really important step. And when you're dealing with someone that has these narcissistic tendencies, again, whether it's your boss or a family member, you want to know what's acceptable, what's not, and where you know, it's a definitely hard no. I'm not going to put up with that, right? Second one is what you believe about yourself. It's very common for someone that has narcissistic traits to blame and not take any fault in anything and project their stuff onto you. So I want you not to believe that it's your fault. And, you know, you can't live through life rejecting yourself, doubting yourself. You got to love yourself for who you are. You got to know yourself. And you shouldn't be allowing other people to tell you who you are. Piggybacking on that is explaining yourself. You don't have to explain yourself to others, how you show up, who you are, what's important, what your beliefs and values are. I mean, certainly you can if you're doing so with someone that's open to that, that's receptive, that's going to respect you for that, that's willing to listen to you. Most often, that's not the case when you're dealing with someone that has narcissistic traits. They don't really care. And they're going to blame, they're going to project, and they're going to want you to feel bad because they feel bad. They want you to feel faulty, you see? So learning to love yourself and not taking on that fault is my number two tip. Number three is to learn how to artfully shift conversations and topics. Basically, pick your battles and keep things brief in a non-conflictive manner. Remember, there's just no way you're going to make someone that has very strong narcissistic tendencies agree with you. You're not going to get them to tell you that they're wrong. All right. So 
sometimes the best method is not to engage. Like let some some things just fly. Like don't even bother with it. Don't try to convince them otherwise is what I'm trying to say. So it's a good tactic since people that suffer from narcissism find themselves to be the most interesting to just turn the conversation around to something that they're interested in or that they want to believe so that you don't get into this high conflictive, argumentative, you know, you're wrong, I'm right kind of scenario. All right. So learning how to shift your conversations was number three. Number four is do not give your power away. You know, allowing someone else to dictate who you are, the way you think, your choices, your thoughts, the way you feel is never a good idea. Narcissists are trying to bring you down. They try to bring you down so that they feel superior. They feel strong. They feel worthy, significant, powerful, which they're not. At least they don't feel that way. That's how they become narcissistic. So your best defense to this is to be happy, to continue to grow. Do not sacrifice your personal identity, your values, your beliefs, because someone is trying to bring you down to their level. Don't give your power away. Keep growing. Keep believing in yourself. You know what's right. You know who you are. Don't let that be clouded. So nobody can make you feel anything unless you allow it. Remember, you have choices in how you're going to think, how you're going to show up. And that's something that you have a lot of control over. So number four was not to give your power away. And number five is a practical one because it's when you learn to use key phrases in dealing with this type of, um, of person. Key phrases such as saying to somebody that whatever they're t- telling you, say, oh, that's interesting. Or when they're asking something of you that you really don't want to do, you can always say, hmm, okay, well, I'll think about that. Or when they're telling you things that, you know, you definitely may not agree with, you can always say, hey, I am so sorry that you are feeling that way. Another phrase that I love is when you tell someone, I realize I have no right to control how you see me or how you see this situation. I get it. It's your thing. It's how you see it. I hear you. And then another one is to tell them, I understand your point. I'm not going to argue. And that kind of stops it when they're trying to engage you in an argument. And then when you're trying to, um, you know, make a boundary, telling someone, listen, I'm willing to work this out, but I am not willing to be insulted or yelled at. So, Those are some key phrases that you can use instead of going into this full-fledged of I'm right, you're wrong, and, and trying to explain yourself and trying to change them. Basically, what you're doing is letting them know that they're being seen and heard, that you don't necessarily agree, but that you are demanding respect. And that's what this is all about. It's being able to respect yourself while managing to be, you know, 
communicating or engaged in this relationship. Sometimes these relationships, I say, are inevitable because it may be a family member. It might be, you know, uh, an, your, your ex, the, the parent of your child. It can get very complicated. But number six, my sixth tip, kind of pulls it all together because it's coming from a place of compassion. I want you to try, when you deal with these attitudes, these behaviors, to look at it from a place of compassion. And I know that that's not easy. It's not easy to feel sympathy for someone that's showing up in such a self-centered kind of way. But it's better for you, for your own emotional health, to practice compassion. Narcissism is a reaction to fear, to insecurity, to emptiness, to low self-esteem. Underneath all these behaviors, the person feels unworthy. They feel unheard. They feel flawed, powerlessness, and out of control. They basically have an unstable identity. And often this is caused in early childhood. Maybe they were not able to express themselves. They were shamed. They were controlled. You know, things happened, okay? And now as an adult, this is how they are showing up because those other feelings are too much for them to handle. They don't know how. They're extremely painful. So these people are suffering. And again, while it's very hard to feel any type of sympathy for them, just know that regardless of how they look on the outside or what they have, they're very much broken internally. Knowing this can actually help you take it less personally. Because again, it's not about you. They're showing up this way. Their lens of the world, the way that you know, they're showing up is because of how hurt they are, how empty they are. It's not about you. So hopefully that'll help you kind of reframe that into a place where it makes it more manageable and more workable. And I am not suggesting whatsoever, if you're dealing with anybody, pathological or not, that is abusive to you in any way, shape, or form, that is causing you distress, that's bringing out the worst in you, I'm not suggesting that you put up with it. I'm not suggesting that you stay. Actually, the best thing to do, especially in pathological narcissism, is not to have contact with those people, with that person, is to opt out of relationships. But again, I fully understand that that's not always possible for a variety of reasons, and that's not what this episode is about. But I want you to know that there are things that you can do. The way you process it, the way you think about it, how you show up, how you engage, and how you love yourself. Not letting anybody destroy you. People are going to want to, you know, bring you down to lift themselves up all the time. You see that happening all the time. But you have power. You have choice. And so I hope that you use it. All right. That was a brief kind of overview on how you can deal with the dark sides of uh, narcissism. There's so much more on that topic. And again, this was not to talk about personality disorders or any of that. But 
I think everybody, anybody can relate to narcissism in some ways. And I wanted to give you a few tools or at least a few thought patterns for you to think about it, perhaps in a different way to help you out. All right, my friends, that's it for today. Until next week, I hope you think well and be well. I will be talking to you soon. All right, later. One more thing. Thanks for listening to my Perfectly Imperfect show. Keep in mind that I'm sharing thoughts and experiences, and the information on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health or medical professional. If you have a moment to leave a rating or a review, that would be great. It's a way of sharing so that more people can find the show and start making some small shifts. 